شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد Today's lesson will carry on from التيمم التيمم طيب التيمم is from the مظاهر تيسير الشرع from the ways that Allah سبحانه وتعالى shows us that this religion is easy in the Quran, Allah tells us in the Quran, Allah has not made any hardship in this religion. And this is a great principle in the Sharia. One of the five major principles in the Sharia. From amongst them being, When there is hardship, ease comes about. From amongst the examples that we, we will, we're going to take, inshallah, is the fact that a person who's traveling, Allah makes it easier for him. How? He can shorten his prayers. He can combine his prayers. Also, he doesn't have to fast. And these are all ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives concessions when, when there's hardship. Similarly, when there is an inability, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a replacement or allows it and or forgives the, 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 the act. And in this situation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about in the Quran when he says, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ مَرْضَىٰ أَوْ عَلَىٰ سَفَرٍ أَوْ جَاءَ أَحَدٌ مِنْكُمْ مِنَ الْغَائِطِ if a person is ill or he's traveling or he and, he and he comes from the toilet and he فلم يجد فلم تجد ماء and then you do not find water فتيمموا صعيدا طيبا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to do tayammum by using earth by using earth to purify ourselves or to be a replacement for the wudu that we would have we would have done if we had water so this is from the ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for us for us to do that um, in the ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا If you cannot find water, then do tayammum قال ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما Ibn Abbas, he said about this ayah وَإِن كُنْتُمْ مَرْضَى If you are ill, so this is the first excuse that Allah gives Illness, فَتَيَمَّمُوا Then do tayammum وَإِن كُنْتُمْ عَلَىٰ سَفَرٍ وَلَمْ تَجِدُوا الْمَاءَ فَتَيَمَّمُوا And the second excuse is If you are traveling and you cannot find water Then you can do tayammum From this we understand that the reasons for tayammum are two. The reasons for tayammum are two. The excuses that you are allowed to do tayammum for. Number one is adamul ma that there is no water. Or number one, there is no water. And you can't you can't find water You're in a place where there's no water. In that case, you have an excuse to do tayammum. And number two is ta'adhur isti'malihi that you are not able to use the water that's there. There is water. You have it. But you're not able to use it for a reason. And we're going to come to it, inshallah ta'ala. But, so there is water, but you just can't use it. And there's, there's many reasons why you can't use water. We're going to explain it, inshallah. But that's the second reason for you to be able to be allowed to do a tayammum. Is that clear? Tayyib. So in the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, Faslun fi tayammum wa shara'itu tayammumi khamsatu ashya. The conditions for tayammum to be allowed, or the conditions of tayammum are five. There's five, five conditions for a tayammum. Number one, he says, وجود العذر بسفر أو مرض That you have an excuse. That you have an excuse. One of the two excuses. Either بسفر, which he is alluding to here, by traveling, meaning he's alluding to what? The absence of water. He's alluding to the absence of water. That's the first one, right? There is no water. يعني مثلا, someone is in, is, in, is in a desert, he's traveling, and there's no water, there's no river, there's nothing like that. Or he's on a pla in a place where there is no water. In that case, as a, as a replacement for tayammum, you can do, a replacement for wudu, you can do a tayammum. Mm -hmm. ah, that's the second one. Number two is, he has water, but he's not able to use it. He has water, but he's not able to use oh, it. And that's why he says, oh, marad, by illness. For example, someone who's ill, and he's ill, so if he was to use the water, that water is going to make him worse, right? When someone's ill and they use water to do, for example, to do ghusl, they need to have a bath. But that water, they only have cold water 
and they're not able to do tayammum, they're not able to do ghusl uh, with that water because they're going to make the illness worse. Or another example of not being able to use the water is what the brother said, you have water, but it's only water to drink. And if you were to use that water for wudu, then you wouldn't be able to drink, you wouldn't, you would die. Because you're out of thirst. So in that case, we don't say that you have to use the water. So for wudu, rather you drink it and you do tayammum. Similarly, another example is, if a person, he has, uh, he's in a situation of, um, he has an animal with him. He has an animal with him. And the animal needs to drink. Or someone else needs to drink that water. So what do you do? Do you give the animal water or, or do you do wudu? You give the animal water and what do you do? Tayyam. You understand? So these are the excuses for tayyam. Either that you have, uh, as a summary, one two sentences, that either you don't have water or you cannot use the water that you have. In those two situations, this is when a person is allowed to do a tayammum. And there's, there's more details to that in, in, in each situation, but we'll stick to those two principles, inshallah. Then he says, the second condition is, وَدُخُولُ الْوَقْتِ الصَّلَاةِ The time of, the second condition for you to be allowed to do tayammum is that the time of prayer has entered. The time of prayer must have entered. يعني, a person cannot do tayammum before the salah time has come in. Why? Because the Shafi'iyya they say a tayammum is darura, is a necessity. It's a necessity. That's what they the Shafi'iyya, that's what they say. They say it's a necessity. So therefore, a person cannot go to this this uh, this replacement unless the actual need for it is present. Yani just like if a person is in a desert and there is a dead animal, dead carcass. Are you allowed to eat dead animals? A carcass, dead animal, you're allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to eat it, right? If a person in the desert and he's hungry and he's about to die, he's allowed to eat it, right? If he's in the desert but he's not hungry and he's not about to die, is he allowed to eat it? No, he's not. Similarly, this is darura. So the, the Shafi'i, when they say that tayammum is darura, they have this similar example, which is that a person is not allowed to do a tayammum until the actual need comes, until the actual need occurs, which is the salah. When the salah time comes in and then you find that you have no water, then you can do tayammum. Is that clear? Is that clear, guys? Do you understand that one? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're going to come to that, inshallah. Ta'ala. The intention is different for them. According to the Shafi'i, yeah. It's inside. So there's no water inside. Yeah, we're going to see that, inshallah. Yeah. Any water that is local. And what they say, talabul ma'i, to seek water, is according to what you consider to be a, a, a viable seeking of water. And it's not just for a person just to look around left or right, no water, and that's it. No. You have to go, is there someone with you? Ask him, is there water? There's someone selling some stuff, do you sell water? You go up into a mountain because there might be a river, you go, is, you go look, is there a river there? You understand? So you have to actually go seek it out uh, according to what is uh, feasible. Exactly. طيب. Then he says, The third condition is you have to seek water, like the brother, the brother asked. You have to go and look for water. A person cannot do tayammum if he hasn't gone and sought water. Yeah, a person he doesn't know, he's in a desert and he's going to assume that he doesn't have water. Is he allowed to do that? No, he's not. He has to go and look for water. When he goes and looks for it and then he cannot find it, then in that case, uh, he's allowed to do a tayammum. Here, the, the sharih, the explainer of the book, he mentions an example of how to seek water. But in reality, this is an example that goes back to urf. It goes back to the custom. What you know to be seeking water is seeking water. Or is feasible. Yani. Tayyip, he says here, and you That a person, he goes around and he looks at he looks, uh, he, he, he searches amongst his uh, companions, the people that are with him. Doesn't have water. Or, or on his on his camel, or on, on his, in his in his um, in his luggage, he might have water. He has to go look. If he can't if he can't find it, if uh, then he looks uh, left and right and front and back, he looks around. Some of them say he goes into the mountain and looks left and right and to look for a mountain or to look for a river. All of that, the point is what? What you consider, what you know to be properly looking for water is looking for water. Whether it is like this or another way. Is that clear? طيب. Uh, then he says, وَتَعَذُّرُ استِعْمَالِهِ He mentions the second reason why you're not allowed to use water. Uh, you're not allowed to do term, you're allowed to do term, which is you're not able, is this, is this hot? Is it cold or hot? I can't feel it, but I feel like it's hot. It's okay, huh? It's not hot for you guys. Alhamdulillah, good. طيب. تعذر استعماله. 
he is not able to use the water. So you have water, for example, you have water, but you need it to drink, or you need it to feed someone, or you need it for something else that is a necessity, then in that case you don't have to use that water for um, uh, for, for wudu, sorry, for wudu. The next one is what tahir that the what do you use what do you use to do tayammum with? Allah says in the Quran fatayammamu sa'idan tayyiba. Allah said do tayammum with sa'id. Now the scholars they differed on what is the meaning of sa'id. Sa'id sa'id what it means is something that is above the earth, something that is above the earth, natural substances that are above the earth. So the Shafi'iyah and the majority of the scholars. And also Imam Ahmed ta'ala and the Hanabila, they say that you're only allowed to do tayammum with a turab al-tahir. It has to be earth. Yani dust. And not just earth, but earth that sticks to your hand. Yani if you, sometimes the, the floor is not it's not it's not dusty, so it wouldn't stick to your hand. They say no, it has to be something that, <coughs> that has dust on it. It has dust that sticks to the hand. Okay? If it doesn't have that, then you're not allowed to do tayammum with it. This is the opinion of the majority of the scholars and this is the safe opinion. Another opinion which I just want to mention to you guys is a general opinion mentioned by uh, Imam Abu Hanifa. Some scholars, they mentioned that it's the opinion of Abu Hanifa and also Imam Malik and Sufyan al-Thawri and al-Awza'i that they say that anything that is above the earth, you're allowed to use it for tayammum. So trees, rocks, snow even. Right? They say even snow. You're allowed to use it. Why? Because Allah says, "Tayammumu Sa'idan." Any Sa'id, what does it mean? Sa'id Sa'ada. Yeah, someone went up above, right? Went above. So they say anything that's above the earth, that's naturally from the earth, then you're allowed to use it. And this is the opinion that was taken by Sheikh Al Albani, rahimahullah taala, as well. He chose this opinion. Like in the safe opinion, Wallahu alam, is that a person, um, a person uses earth and dust, something that has earth that has dust, natural earth. That has dust with it. Is that clear? So can a person use, for example, bricks, the bricks on the wall? You can't use the bricks on the wall. You can't we have the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, where he done tiamum from the from the from the wall. Like why did he do tiamum from the wall? Because it had it had dust on it. It had the natural earth's dust. So he done it with that. Wallahu alam, what seems to be safe is that a person should do should make sure that it is dust from the earth that hangs onto the hand. Wallahu ta'ala alam. Mm. Uh, no, bricks, even bricks wouldn't be allowed because bricks are made from, if it's natural bricks, then yeah. But if it's bricks that are made of what today's made, then no. Like rocks, yeah, not bricks. Because it's made from something else. That's for trees and anything that's natural, according to them. You are allowed to use sand. That's exactly what Torah is. Earth is sand. That's exactly what it is. Soil as well, even soil. All of it. Hmm. Furniture dust, no, and if the furniture, if the dust has come from, naturally from the earth, then yes. Mm. Then he says, Now how to do tayammum when you're in this situation. So you're in a situation where you've, you haven't got water, or you have water but you're not able to use it. Then how does a person do tayammum? He says there's four things that are the obligatory acts of tayammum. Just like wudu has how many obligatory acts? Six. Six. And ghusl had how many? Two or three. Two or three. Huh? This has four obligatory acts according to the Shafi'i way. I'm going to teach you two ways, inshallah. Number one, so the first obligatory act is a niyyah, the intention. The first obligatory act is a niyyah, intention. And the intention here for tayammum, who asked? The brother asked. The brother asked, what is the intention here different to the intention of wudu? And if you have wudu, what's the intention? Niyatu, raf'il hadith, to raise from yourself the state of impurity. Here they say, the Shafi'i, they say that the intention that you're supposed to have is salah, is that you have the intention to allow you to pray. And what you are allowed to do for with wudu. So read Quran, pray sunan, and other things that or touch the Quran, things that you weren't allowed to do without wudu. Your tayammum, the intention with it, the intention for it, is that you are allowing yourself to do the things that you need wudu to do. Your intention is to allow yourself to do the things that you need wudu to do. Your intention is to allow yourself to do the things that you need wudu to do, like salah, tawaf, touching the mushaf, right? 
niyyah, that's intention. And when, when is the time for the niyyah? The intention must be present when going to get the dust. Yani when moving your hand to get the dust. Meaning, if a person has dusty hands, and then he says, okay, I want to tear mum, and he does his face, is it allowed? No. Before he gets, he has intention, and then he touches the dust. Because التيمم is, Allah, التيمم is in the Arabic language, القصد, is to intend to do something, to intend it. So you're intending the dust, you're intending to go to the dust. You're intending to go to the dust, take it, and then you wipe your face, which we're going to learn, inshallah. The point is here that it needs to be done before you even start the tayammum. And it's not something that a person should get waswas over. Again, and I like to repeat this because the Shafi'i, the Shafi'i scholars, their intentions, their, their, their speech when they speak about intentions, sometimes can go to a point where it gives a person waswas. And that's not the intended meaning. That's not what people want. Rather, what was intended here is for a person to uh, just know what he's doing. As we said, the speech of Imam Shafi'i, what did Imam Shafi'i say? Aniyatu far'un anil ilm. Intention is a sub-branch of knowledge. If you know what you're doing, then The intention, it just follows the knowledge. If you know what you're doing, then you have the intention to do it. To do it. If you know you're doing wudu, then you have the intention to do wudu. So it's not something that a person should go overboard in terms of uh, having waswas and stuff, stuff like that. So that's number one, you have to have the intention. Number two is, you have the intention, right? And then you get the dust. You get the dust in your hand. And then he says, To wipe the face. So all you do is, wipe the face. The principle in the Sharia is how many times do we wipe? Once or three? Once. All wiping is once. Like example what? Wiping your head is once. Wiping your socks is once. Wiping your over a bandage is once. Similarly, tayammum is wiping over the face once. You wipe the whole face once. You know your mouth, not your nose. Just the whole face once. Is that clear? Yeah, not the inside of the nose, not inside the mouth. You don't put dust inside your mouth. Okay? Just the whole face. We said the face, we know what the definition of the face is. Then he says, The Shafi'is, they say, then you wipe your hands up to the elbows. You wipe your hands up to the elbows. These two is the whole tayammum done. So you, if you wipe, you get the, then it says, then in that order. So all it is, intention, face, hands up to the elbow, and in that order, those four. You guys got that? Like, how does a person do it in the hands? And it's an important matter, the Shafi'i, the way they, they, they say it, is that a person, he gets the dust, and then wipes his face, then he gets the dust again. And there's a difference. And then he does his hand. Obviously, the hand starts from the top, right? The, the, the fingertips. All the way up to the elbow, including the elbow, and then you go all the way around here. Without touching here, why? Why don't I touch here? Because there's dust here, right? And we're going to use the dust for? My other hand. So then I go all the way around, again, all the way around here to make sure it touches everywhere, and I do my whole hand like that, in that order. That's what tayammum is. Nothing else. Take the dust, face, take the dust, hands. That's all it is. This is the Shafi'i way. That's the way that was narrated from Ibn Umar. And some of the scholars say the hadith is weak, <clears throat> but if a person does tayammum in that way, his tayammum is correct. Uh, the other way which is narrated in tayammum, is the hadith of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu that him and one of the companions narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim he was uh, one of the uh, Khabbab or Amr ibn As I can't remember one of the companions they were, in, they were traveling and they went into Janaba they were in the state of Janaba they had a wet dream and so uh, the, the companion he said فَتَمَرَّغْتُ فِي التُرَابِ كَمَا تَتَمَرَّغُ الدَّابَّةِ What I done was, I didn't know what to do, we had no water So I rolled into the dust, just like an animal rolls in the dust He rolled and he didn't know what to do So he came back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he asked him about him And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إِنَّمَا يَكَانَ يَكْفِيكَ أَن تَقُولَ بِيَدَيْكَ هَكَذَا فَضَرَبَ بِيَدَيْهِ الْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ مَسَحَ بِهِمَا وَجْهَهُ وَكَفَّيْهِ the Prophet وسلم, said, it was enough for you just to take the dust and to wipe your face and kafayhi, his two wrists. Notice here, that's what he said. So this hadith is narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And this is the way that the Hanabila they say. And this is, the more, this is stronger. The Hanabila, what they say here is stronger. They say, because the hadith is more authentic. They say is that if a, per, a person, the way they do tayammum, as opposed to the Shafi'i, is that they take, He hit his hand on the earth once. As opposed to the Shafi'i, how many times did the Shafi'i do it? Twice, right? So he did it once, and 
He does his face. And in the Shafi'i, what they do after that? They take another one, number two, right? But we, they don't do that. This one, this one don't do that. Instead, you just once, face, and the two hands like here, up to the wrist. Just like this. That's enough. And this is stronger in terms of isnad. The chain of narration is stronger. The chain of narration is stronger. But if a person does the Shafi'i way, is it correct? It is correct. Because you're doing it anyway. You're going to do your hand and you're going to do your face. And if you do extra, then it's according to the hadith, if they believe that it's authentic or not. Point is that both ways are okay. Uh, but this way is stronger. Wallahu that is tayammum. Is that clear? Tayammum is a replacement for wudu and is a replacement for ghusl. And you do it in the same way for wudu and ghusl. Yani if, you, if, you, if you need to do wudu, you do tayammum in that way. If you need to do ghusl, do you roll, roll around in the dust? No. You just do that same way. And tayammum, so tayammum is a replacement in, the, in both ways for ghusl and for wudu. It's the same. Mm. No, same thing, same intention. Same intention. طيب, then he says, The sunnah of tayammum. Number one, at-tasmiyah. To say bismillah. That's the sunnah. It's voluntary. It's good to say bismillah. Because, qiyasan ala al-wudu. Because it is something that you do, it's a replacement for wudu, so they, they compare it to wudu. So let's say you say bismillah before it. And remember we said in wudu, we have the hadith that related to al-bayhaqi in sunan. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, tawadda'u bismillah. Do wudu in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second sunnah of tayammum is to do the right before the left. To do your right hand before you do your left hand. Tayyib, if someone does his left hand first and then he does his right hand? Is it correct? It's correct. What about if someone does wudu, left hand first and right hand, and then right hand? Is it correct? Still correct. Because it is sunnah, but it's better. Not to, it's better um, to do it right and then left. Then the third sunnah is وَالْمُوَالَاتُ قِيَاسًا عَلَى الْوُضُوءِ he says to do it all in one go, and muala. Just like in wudu, it's a sunnah according to the Shafi'iyah. The Shafi'iyah, they say it's sunnah to do all in one go. And you do your face and your hands and everything all in one go without having a break in between. Similarly, they say tayammum is sunnah as well. Wallahu alam, it is wajib. The other opinion is that it's wajib. And that seems to be what some of the scholars they chose to be stronger. Wallahu alam. Then he says, وَالَّذِي يُبْطِلُ التَّيَمُّمَ ثَلَاثَةُ أَشْيَاءُ The things that break the tayammum. Person has tayammum, then his tayammum breaks with three things. Just like your wudu breaks, right? You guys know you, if you, you do certain things, how many things break a wudu? According to the book, how many? Five. And we said? Six. But we took away one from the book, so five anyway. Five. Uh, the things that break your tayammum, three of them. Number one, ma yubtilil wudu. Anything that breaks your wudu breaks your tayammum. If a person goes to the toilet, then his tayammum is broken, has to do another one. Number two is وَرُؤْيَةُ الْمَاءِ فِي غَيْرِ الصَّلَاةِ For a person to find water other than when he's in salah. يعني a person, uh, he is praying in the salah. Whilst he's praying, he sees a group of people with water. Do we say that his salah is broken because he found water? Therefore he has to go and do, get the water and, and start again? No. If he finds water outside of the salah, then it breaks. If he finds water outside of the salah, then it breaks. But if he's in the salah, it doesn't break. Okay? The Shafi'iyah, they, they add another thing which, which comes under this as well. And they say, in If he thinks he could find water. And if a person, he has tayammum. He done tayammum. Then he sees a group of people coming past and he assumes they have water. So he goes to them. He looks for water, he doesn't find water. They say that he breaks with tayammum as well. Then, wallahu alam, they, they bring that under. Uh, the qawaid al is mentioned by um, in the Fara'id al Bahiyah. Yeah. Suyuti mentioned it also in Al Ashbah al Nazair. Eating camel meat breaks the wudu, right? Mm. Seeing water, it breaks the wudu, it breaks the tamam. Number three is a ridda. If a person leaves Islam, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from such evil, that person, his tamam also breaks. Then he says, Then he says, This is talking about a person with a plaster. And this is speaking about a specific person with a plaster, which is if the plaster or the cast is covering a body part of wudu. If you have a plaster in some way where you have to do wudu on, for example, your face, you have a plaster on your cheek, you have to do wudu on your face, right? 
but you got a plaster there or a cast on your hand because someone broke their hand. That hand, the arm, up to the wrist, up to the elbow, if it has a cast on it because and you can't take it off, then this is what we're talking about. He says, وَصَاحِبُ الْجَبَائِرِ يَمْسَحُ عَلَيْهَا If a person has a cast or a plaster which he cannot take off, which he cannot take off. For example, they broke their hand, they broke their, their ankle or something like that. They cannot take it off. What does that person do? يَمْسَحُ عَلَيْهَا You wipe over it. And what, what do we mean by that? A person is doing his wudu, full normal wudu. He's doing his full normal wudu. He does his right hand. His left hand here has a cast. The middle of the left hand has a cast. So he washes around. He washes the, the hand, which is not covered by a cast. He washes the elbow, which is not covered by a cast. But this part is covered by a cast or by a plaster, which he cannot take off. Then he says, in that case, يَمْسَحُ عَلَيْهَا All you do is wipe over it. You don't have to take it off to wash over it. But they do say that you should what you have to wash as much as you can wash. As much as you can. If you cannot wash, whatever you cannot wash, you wipe over. Why? Because it's a replacement for it. وَيَمْسَحُ عَلَيْهَا then the Shafi'iyah they say وَيَتَيَمَّمُ وَيُصَلِّي And this is the opinion of the Hanabil and the Shafi'iyah as well. They say that the person, he wipes over it, but to replace that wiping over, he does tayammum separately. So they say you're doing wudu, your face, your hands, all of that. And then when you get to wiping, you wipe over it. Then you finish your wudu. Then you go and you do tayammum separately. Another tayammum. That's what, the, 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 that's what they chose. Another opinion, which is the opinion that was chosen by Shaykh Ibn Baz, is that you don't have to do tayammum. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it, allowed you to wipe over it, and that's its replacement, and that's the opinion of a Shaykh Ibn Baz rahimahullah ta'ala that he takes. You don't have to do tayammum. Like, write it down because it's the opinion of the Shafi'i is taken, it's safe, of course. Wa yusalli, and then you pray because you have wudu. Wala i'adata alayhi in wada'aha ala tuhrin. The Shafi'i, they also say another thing. They say that if now you do this, if now you have a cast, and that cast was put on you <coughs> when you didn't have wudu. You didn't have wudu and the cast was put on you. Then one month it was stayed on and every time you're doing wudu, you're doing wudu, you're wiping over it. They say that when the cast comes off, you repeat, you, you repeat the salahs that you've done. And the other opinion of the Shafi'i, Imam Shaykh Mibaz rahimahullah is that you don't repeat it. And that seems to be stronger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. That you don't do it. That was chosen by our Shaykh, Shaykh Abdul Salam al Both of those opinions. You don't have to do tiyammum and you don't have to repeat the salah. And that was the opinion that was taken by Shaykh Abdul Salam al Shaykh and our Shaykh as well. And also Shaykh Mubaz rahimahullah ta'ala. So the point is that all you do when you have a cast is you wipe over it and you do the rest of the wudu. Wallahu a'ala. Is that clear? Is that clear guys? Does anyone understand that? Hmm. Sorry? Oh, sorry, I can't hear you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, up to the wrist. The whole hand up to the wrist. The whole hand up to the wrist. Now. Allah um, so Alam, they have the evidences, but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't looked into it. Mm. So, no, it's going to cause more harm. You need the cast. If you, if you need the cast, that's what it means that you can't remove it. And plaster. Yeah, and the plaster, same thing, yeah. Same thing. طيب, this is Here he says, You do tayammum, you do a separate tayammum for every single obligatory salah. And that's what Imam al-Rafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, he brought from the hadith, from the athar of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah that he said مِنَ السُنَّةِ أَلَّا يُصَلِّيَ بِالتَّيَمُّمِ إِلَّا مَكْتُوبَةً وَاحِدَةً Ibn Abbas said that the sunnah is that a person only prays with each tayammum one salah. And what is the principle with the shafi'iyah that also causes this? We understand from this? In tayammum? The tayammum is a necessity, it's a darura. So therefore they say you have to do different tayammum for every single salah. Every salah you have to do a separate tayammum. So for dhuhr you do tayammum. Then when it comes to asr, you do another tayammum, even if you didn't break your wudu. But, this says, وَيُصَلِّي بِتَيَمُّمٍ وَاحِدٍ مَا شَاءَ مِنَ النَّوَافِلِ Between dhuhr and asr, between each prayer, you can pray as many voluntary prayers that you want. And you can read the Qur'an, you can touch the Qur'an. All of that you can do it with one tayammum until the next prayer comes in. When the next prayer comes in, you have to do another tayammum for that prayer. And then until maghrib, you can pray as many nawafil, voluntary acts as you want. Mm. 
Yeah, same thing. That will be the same thing as well. If a person has a handburn and they cannot put water on it, then they'll either wipe over it or they'll leave it and they'll do tiyamum in that case. And that's, what, that's what some of the scholars they mentioned that yeah, you do tiyamum in that case as well. Mm. No, they, they don't have to. You do the ghusl, yes, but you don't have to repeat that salah. You do the ghusl, you don't have to repeat the salah. According to this opinion, yeah. So, uh, you know how you have to make it every salah? Is it at the time when it kicks in? Or is it yeah, when it kicks in. Okay. The time comes in. Yeah. <sighs> Now we're going to a chapter which we kind of already went through before And that is the impurities and how to clean the impurities Come inside, come inside the space The impurities and how to clean them Remember we said that a najasa, what is a najasa? What's a najasa? Impure, according to what? Anything that the Sharia considers impure, anything that the Sharia considers to be impure is considered to be najasa. And we said that the najasa must be cleaned from three places. What are they? When you're about to pray, your body, your place of praying, and your clothing. So, we, in this chapter here, he mentions the different type of najasa and how to clean each type. But I will give you guys a summary, inshallah, ta'ala, of it. And najasa is split into three groups. Impurities splits into three groups. Number one is najasa al-mughallada, heavy najasa. You can translate it as heavy najasa, yani the worst najasa. najasa al-mughallada. Why is it called najasa al-mughallada? It's called a heavy najasa because to wash it off, you have to wash it seven times. You have to wash it seven times. One of those times must be with earth. One of those times must be with earth. And the Shafi'iya, what they say is that this is Najasatul Kalbi wal Khinzir. The impurity that comes from a dog and the impurity that comes from a pig. You guys understand that? So, heavy Najasa is a Najasa that you have to wash off seven times. So, it's the liquid that comes off from a dog and the liquid that comes from a pig. Whether it be its saliva, according to them, is also the sweat, urine. Anything that comes from the pig or the, or the dog, if it touches you, you have to wash it off seven times. One of those times with earth, not detergent, they say. It has to be with earth. Okay? Why? The evidence that they bring is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, when he said, إِذَا وَلَغَ الْكَلْبُ فِي إِنَاءِ أَحَدِكُمْ فَاغْسِلُوهُ سَبْعًا وَعَفِّرُوا الثَّامِنَةَ بِالتُّرَابِ He said that if a, if a dog licks your bowl, then wash it seven times. The eighth time with earth. In another narration, he says, the first time with earth, then the rest, the six times, is with water. Another narration, the last one with earth. And uh, in another narration, one of them with earth. So we have four different narrations, right? The beginning, earth first, and then water. Water, and then in the middle, the fifth one, or the fourth one, or the third one, earth, and then, and then the rest with, with water as well. And then the other one is the seventh with earth. And the last generation is seven times with water and the eighth with earth. Any one you do is fine. You can do any one of them. Seven times, one of them with earth. Or seven times, the last one with earth. Is that clear? Hmm. Yeah, and you wash it with water. Once, twice. Then you get earth, sand, soil. Put it on and wash it off. Our Shaykh Shaykh Abbas, he says that what seems to be the, the best narration is that one of them or the first one with, with, with earth. Why? Because when, you, when you're washing yourself with soap, do you put soap at the end? No, you do it in, in the middle, right? Or at the beginning. So they say because similarly, the person should put the earth at the beginning or in the middle and you wash it seven times after that. Is that clear? Do you understand what I mean by earth? You put soil on it, you're washing your clothes, you put earth, soil, then you put water and you clean it off. You clean off the earth and seven times. You understand? Hmm? Yeah, the affected area, yeah. Yeah, no, no, you wash seven times, one of them with earth. What does that mean? 
I did. I said six on purpose. Seven times once with earth. What does that mean? Six, yeah. Six, officially one with earth, right? Yeah, so that's correct. That's what it is. So one And then another one said eight as well. So different Different. Well, So you can do all of them. Mm. This is heavy najasa. And there's a najasa of the dog on the pig. The narration only mentions a dog. So why did they say the pig? They say because the pig is worse than the dog. So, and they say that... Uh, and, and also he mentions the licking of the dog. Only the licking of the dog of the bowl. And this is what Ibn Hajar mentions all. Like in other, they say no, it's the whole, the, the whole dog. Any najas of the dog that touches anybody, or any body part, or any clothing, has to be washed in this way. That's their opinion, Wallahu Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Um, when you see the body, yeah, you need to clean yourself. Three places need to be clean before you can pray. Your body, your clothing, and your place of prayer. And what do we mean by the place of prayer? From your feet to? The point of sujood. From your feet until the point of sujood. That's what I said, right? Some of the scholars, they said that. They only specifies that. The Shafi'i, they made it more general. Touching a dog, what's the ruling on touching najasa? Is disliked. Is disliked. So therefore, if there is no need, then it's disliked. And if there is a need, then it's okay. Tayyip. That's the first level of najasa, that's the first um, group of najasa. Number two is a najasa al-mukhaffafa, the light najasa. The light najasa. So it's a bit lighter. What do we mean by that? It's light. So the way you wash it is not as harsh as the, the dog or the pig. The way you wash this light najasa is that you sprinkle it with water. All you do is cover the area that's infected with water. That's it. You don't have to wash it, you don't have to pour. Just cover the area that's infected with water. Is that clear? What najasa is that? This is the urine of a baby boy. I mean, what I mean by baby boy is the boy below the age of two. And boy, not girl. A urine of the baby boy whose main food is milk. The urine of a baby boy whose main food is milk. What do I mean by baby? Below the age of two. And, what do I mean by, and opposed to boy, what do you mean? A girl, not a girl. So the urine of a baby girl doesn't come under this. It's the urine of the baby boy. And when we say urine, the stool of the, of the boy, does it come under this? No, it's just the urine. The urine of a baby boy who only in his main food is milk. This is najasa al-mukhaffafa. This is like najasa. How do you wash it off? So baby boy, you're holding your baby boy, it urinates on you. It urinates on you. Then all you do is pour water over the infected area. This is not. It's najasa al-mukhaffafa. It's light. It's because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in al-Bukhari, a Muslim, the Prophet وسلم, a baby boy was brought to him who does not eat food. So حجره, حجره, the baby boy urinated in the lap of the Prophet. And so he called for water, and so he poured over it. Another narration, عليه, he just sprinkled over it. That showed that he just sprinkled over that urine. So therefore, that's the way to, to clean that najasa. That's the second level of najasa, right? The third level of najasa now. Is a najasatul mutawasita, the middle, the middle najasa. So we have heavy, light, and now we have in the middle. <coughs> How do we wash off the, the, the middle najasa? Is to wash it with water until it goes away. To wash it with water until it goes away. The ain, the actual najasa goes away. As for the, for example, blood that stains, the stain, that doesn't have to be washed away because the stain is not able to be taken away. But we're talking about the actual najasa. The actual najasa is taken away. The najasa that's actually there is washed off. Whatever you can wash off is washed off. Okay? That's how you wash it off. What is this? What najasa is this? All other najasat. All other najasat. Anything else that is impure, other than the dog and the pig and the urine of the baby boy, everything else that's impure comes in this, into this category. Is that clear? You sure? Is it? Yeah? You guys clear with that? So what, what comes under this category? Hmm? Al-Madhi, according to the majority of scholars, Hanabila, they put Madhi as a, as a point. They put Madhi, pre-seminal fluid, they put it into the light najasa. And they have a strong evidence for that. Yeah, according to them, just sprinkle over it. But urine, huh? urine comes under this. 
vomit comes under this. What else? Pus, blood, or alcohol, liquid alcohol, according to the, to the majority of scholars. Sah? You guys get that? Everything else comes in under this category. طيب, now let's look at what those are. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. You wipe over it. If you have a cast, you wipe over it. If you can't take it off. طيب, the author, Rahimallah, now let's go. Yeah, quick last question. Mm? Mm. Well, sprinkling is what is needed. Okay. Well, I mentioned the narration. The narration has different narrations. Okay. And when there's different narrations, one narration is interpreted with the other one. And we take the lighter one. So when he said we poured over it, what they meant is by sprinkling. They sprinkled over it. And someone can say I sprinkled water, but they'll say I poured over it, right? I poured water on it. And when you actually look and you ask, what he meant is that he sprinkled water over it. And that's what they say. Uh, that's why they say that. So the author, he says, فصل في البيان النجاسات وإزالتها وكل ماء خرج من السبيلين نجس إلا المنية He says every... Remember, we've already taken this, by the way. We've already taken this in the first few lessons. So we're going to go a bit fast in this. Even though today's lesson, we've been going quite fast because we need to finish quite a lot. Everything that comes from the front or back, front or back is impure. Anything that comes from the front or back private part is impure. Right? We know that, right? إلا المنية Except for sperm. Why? Because we have the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam كان يخرج إلى الصلاة that Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that I used to scrape the sperm off the clothing of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he would go out to pray and there are still remnants of the sperm on his clothing. And so that shows that sperm is not, is not impure. Rather it is pure and this is the opinion of the Shafi'i and the Hanabila. That it is pure, it's clean. Second reason why it's pure is because what, see what human beings are made from. Human beings are made from it, therefore it's pure. Okay? So, al-mani is an exception of what comes out from the front or the back private part. What is a, a common question here is, with sisters, they say that uh, what comes out discharge, discharge that comes out from women. As for the discharge of women, then generally it is impure. Generally it is impure. Except for, because it comes under whatever comes out from the front or the back, right? Except for what, they, what is not considered to be a discharge, which is uh, the rutubatul mar'ah. They say that uh, the moist or the wetness in the private part of the woman and what happens is that if a woman uh, naturally they will have uh, some uh, wetness in, to, in, their, in their private part or some moistness in their private part um, and this is not considered to be discharge rather it is closer as some scholars they mention it's closer to sweat it's closer to sweat and so therefore we say that's not impure because it doesn't come under it's something that came out from the inside of the private part rather it came out from the outside and it just uh, similar to sweat So that's not considered to be impure Everything else that comes from the front or the back private part Is impure other than Al-mani uh, Then he says That a purse is obligatory upon us So this the second type of uh, impurity is All types of um, uh, Urine And all types of Excretion Or stool all of it is considered to be impure, therefore it needs to be washed. Whether it is a baby, whether it is adult, all urine is impure. It's considered to be impure. Illa, except for, and we have to wash it, right? Because it comes under the middle category. So what, what comes out from the front or the back? What, what category does it come under? The middle category. Taib, the urine and the stool, what, what does it come under? Middle category. Illa bawla sabi الذي لم يأكل الطعام Except for the urine of a baby boy, who only he doesn't eat food. That becomes pure by uh, by sprinkling water over it. What category does that come under? The light najasa, najasa and mukhafafa. You just sprinkle water over it. We don't need to go into detail with that because we already explained it. The next najasa that he mentions here is blood and pus. But he mentions it in a, in a different way. He says that there is najasa is not forgiven. A small amount of najasa cannot be overlooked. A small amount of impurity cannot be overlooked. Except for blood and pus. 
because a small amount of blood and a small amount of pus is considered is overlooked. And that's because we have the hadith of also Ibn Umar that a person would have a cut, they would have a cut on their finger or something like that, and they would still pray. And that shows that even though and the majority of the scholars they say that blood is, in, is, 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 uh, is impure, is, is najis. So they say that if it is a small amount, then this is when it is forgiven. If blood or pus is a small amount, then this is when it's forgiven. Like a person who has a small cut, as narrated from Ibn Umar, um, that's when it's forgiven. Other than blood and pus, then it's not forgiven. Yeah, and if a person has a small amount of urine that splashes back on them after they go to the toilet, is that forgiven? No, they have to wash that off. According to this opinion. Yeah, yeah if someone is excessively bleeding, then it's, it's impure. It's impure, he has to wash it off. Then he has to wash it off. But let's say someone has a small cut. Do we say you have to you have to wait until the cut heals until you can pray? No, of course not. طيب. The next uh, uh, the next thing which is also forgiven is وَمَا لَا نَفْسَ لَهُ إِذَا مَاتَ فِي An insect which doesn't have a bloodstream, if it falls into water. An insect that doesn't have a bloodstream, if it falls into water. A lot of times you have a, um, for example, you might have a cup of water. And a fly falls into it, and it dies. We know that dead animals are impure, right? But this is an exception. A fly, or anything that doesn't have a bloodstream. What they mean by it means it doesn't have a bloodstream. Things like flies. And it doesn't have flowing blood and things like that. Flies and things like that. Insects, small insects, mosquitoes. If they fall into your water, then the water is still pure and it's not considered to be impure. Rather, it's forgiven. It's an exception. It's an exception. Why? Because the hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari Muslim, If a fly falls into one of your one of your cups, then a person should dip it in. Then you take it out. فَإِنَّ فِي أَحَدِ جَنَاحِهِ وَفِي الْآخَرِ Because the Prophet sallallahu said, in one of the wings of the fly is an illness. And the other wing has a cure. So, and in the hadith of Abu Dawood, in the same hadith, in the narration from Abu Dawood, he said, وَإِنَّهُ يَتَّقِي بِجَنَاحِهِ الَّذِي فِيهِ He said that the fly, it falls on the wing that has the illness on it. What do you mean by that? If a fly falls, falls into your water, the Prophet وسلم, is telling us that one of the flies of the wing, the fly, the wings, the wings of the fly, sorry. One of the wings of the fly, it has an illness. So if it falls into your water, that illness is going to spread into, into your water. So what did he say? He said, dip it in. Why? Because the other wing has the cure for that illness. So dip it in, then take it out, then you can either drink it or you can throw away the water if you don't want to. Like in dip it in and then take it out. Okay? That shows that if a fly, if you, you know, if you, now if a fly goes into water, you're gonna, it's, it's going to die, right? And it's going to be a dead animal in your water. But he didn't say it is najis. Now the water is najis. So what does that show? That shows that this water is still pure, and the insect which falls into a person's food or water, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't contaminate it with najasa. It's not considered to be najis. So if an insect falls into your water, then it's an exception from that rule. Uh, so one of the things that are forgiven. Is that clear? Mm. Yeah, all of it. All mosquitoes, flies, any insect like that. Any of those small insects that don't have bloodstreams. Yeah. He said that animals, all of them are pure. I we mentioned the other opinion of Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, which he said. Which animals are pure and which ones are impure? That's a, one, one definition. One word. One sentence. Mm. Mm -mm. One not, no. Anything you're allowed to eat is pure. And what you're not allowed to eat is impure. Khalas? According to that. So you know, and then I started to explain to you guys, remember, then I started to explain to you guys what you can, can eat, can of carnivores and stuff like that, remember? So, this is the, this is the opinion. والحيوان, all of the animals are pure, والخنزير, except for dogs and pigs. Dogs and pigs are impure. منهما, and anything that comes from dogs and pigs, then يعني the, the, the offspring of a dog or a pig. يعني if a pig has a, has a child, 
has a, as, a, as offspring from another animal which is pure. For example, let's just say if it's possible, whether it's possible or not, a pig and a lamb. A lamb is pure, right? And a pig is impure. The child is impure. It's similar with a dog. If a dog has a child with an animal which is pure, then that is, that the offspring is impure. Mm. Dog. Is, this, is this talking about direct, you know, coming or breed of a dog? It's not because no, dogs are descendants of mm. the they come from like the type of wolves and you said that. The fur of the wolves is not um, registered, it's mm. not dog. Mm. But wolves, they you know over over time they They're the same family, the same kind of family, but they're not considered to be a dog. A wolves the is different. Like a lion and cats and stuff like that, they're all different. Just because they just even if they come under the same uh, family of animals. So what is known as a kalb is what is impure. Mm. So wouldn't the kalb be known as like the No. It's a completely different animal. Different different animal. Whether it comes from whether you say it used to be or it comes from the same kind of families, then in that case we'll say monkeys and humans. According to them. According to that, it's not the same thing. So it's a dog, a dog's a dog. Kalb ma'roof is known. Exactly. is like horse and a donkey. What comes from a horse and a donkey? A mule. A baghal. That's what I mean by that. So two, two separate animals, they have a, an offspring and then a child comes from it. Which is possible between certain animals. But what we don't mean is what science today put into the same يعني, category of animals. Species. No, not species. يعني, family of animals as they say. Hmm? Not, that's not what we're talking about. Then he says, The next impurity is al mayta What category does mayta come under? Heavy, light, or middle? Middle, everything else, right? Mayta. What is al mayta al mayta is anything that was not slaughtered Islamically. Anything that was not slaughtered according to the Sharia is considered to be mayta. Dead animal. Dead animal. So, Carcass, a road, uh, the carcass of a roadkill. An animal was hit on the road by a car and it died. That's considered to be meter. An animal, a lamb, that was slaughtered with the jugular veins and the throat and everything. And the guy even said Bismillah, but he was a mushrik. What is it considered to be? That lamb. Meter. Meter. It's considered a dead animal. It's haram. And then, anything that, is that was not slaughtered correctly. Let's say a person, he went. And you got a lion, and you got, an, you, got a, you got a knife, and he said Bismillah, and he cut the, the lion. What's that lion considered to be? Meta. Why? Because you can't eat the animal in the first place, so you can't slaughter it Islamically aslan in the first place. Okay? Tayyib, a person, Muslim, gets an animal, and he slaughters it, and it dies. Is that what's that considered to be? Halal. Huh? Uh, lamb, lamb. A lamb. It's fine. Then it's fine, right? Mm. Uh, sorry? Sorry? Pig gelatine. Pig gelatine, the Majma al Fiqhi, the Council of Fiqh of scholars, they say that it's haram. It's not allowed. Wallahu mm. Because the pig cannot become pure. Wallahu alam, what they say about that one. Wallahu I don't know. Tayyib. So dead animals impure. Except for illa samaka, except for samak. A samak is anything that lives in the sea. Anything that lives in the sea. That's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that that it was made halal for you, Saydul Bahri, the animals that you catch in the sea. and the dead animals in it. The dead animal of the sea is halal for you as well. So if you see a fish dead on floating on top of the earth, on top of the sea, then it's allowed to be eaten. All those do dolphins that wash up on the on the side and they're dead, you're allowed to eat it. All of it's fine. Why? Because it's from the sea. And we have the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, when he said, Uhillat li maytatani wa daman. Two types of dead animals were made halal for me, and two types of blood was made halal for me. As for Ammal Maytatan, Jarad. Then the two as for the two dead animals, then it is fish and locusts. So the fish, anything that's in the sea. If it's dead or alive, you can eat it. And if it's dead or alive, you don't have to slaughter it. You don't have to slaughter it. That's what I mean by that. Um, and if, if you find it dead, you can eat it. طيب. 
So raw, raw uh, sushi, for example, uh, salmon. What they do is it's fine. It's allowed as long as it's not poisonous. As long as it's not poisonous. Um, a common question is so whether it's lobsters, whether it's prawns, whether it's crabs, whether it's shellfish, whether it's shark, whales, whether he eats animal, eats other animals or not, whether it's a carnivore like a shark or not. Everything in the sea is halal. Everything that lives in the sea is halal, as long as it lives in the sea. Common question are things like hippopotamuses and um, crocodiles. These animals, hippopotamus and crocodiles, they don't live mostly in the in the sea, in the in the water. They can live in the sea and they can live in the outside of the sea. And the majority of the scholars they say they're haram. That the crocodiles not allowed as well. From the Maliki and the Maliki as a principle are the easiest when it comes to food. They allow a lot of things. Uh, and the Hanafis are the strictest when it comes to food. But the point is that is not allowed. Crocodiles are not allowed, but everything else in the sea is allowed, as opposed to the Hanafiyah who say things like lobsters and crabs and shellfish and shark is not allowed. Rather, it is allowed. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. Then he says, Wal-jarad. The second thing that is a dead animal which is allowed is locusts. Locusts. So a dead locust, you're allowed to eat it. And the evidence is the hadith that I mentioned to you guys. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Uhillat li maytatani wa daman. Two types of dead animals and two types of blood was made halal for me. The dead animals, as-samaku wal-jarad. Uh, anything that lives in the sea and al-jarad, which is locusts, allowed. And the companions, they would eat locusts on their way to the battle of Tabuk. They would eat dead locusts and they would catch the locusts and they would eat it. So these are, these are also uh, an exception. The third exception for an anim- a, dead, a dead person or something that's dead, which is not impure, is a human being. If a human being dies, then he's not impure. The human being doesn't become impure. Because Allah says in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمَ وَحَمَلْنَاهُمْ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ That we have honored the human being. And so from this, the scholars, they take that the human being, if he dies, then he is not considered to be physically impure. He's not considered to be physically impure. Does that mean you can eat him? No. You can't eat a human being. طيب. Then he says, وَيُغْسَلُ الْإِنَاءُ مِنْ وُلُوغِ الْكَلْبِ وَالْخِنْزِيرِ سَبْعَ مَرَّاتٍ That the dog, you wash the dog, you wash the vessel from the licking of the dog or the pig seven times seven times and what what impurity is this the heavy najasa is the dog or the, the impurity of the dog or the pig you wash it seven times uh, one of those times with earth that's because of the hadith that i mentioned to you guys if a dog licks your bowl then you then, then, sp- then spill it out and wash it seven times. Mm. Yeah, if there's a dead human body in still water, then yes, it's still pure as long as there's no blood that mixed with it. If the blood is spilling, the blood's impure. No, according to the majority of the scholars. Um, then he says, that's how you wash the heavy najasa, right? Then he says, Am I talking, speaking too fast? Because we were going through this, right? وَيُغْسَلُ مِنْ سَائِرِ النَّجَاسَاتِ مَرَّةً تَأْتِي عَلَيْهِ وَالثَّلَاثُ الْأَفْضَلِ Then he says that all other impurities, you wash it one time, مَرَّةً تَأْتِي عَلَيْهِ One time until it all comes off. You wash the impurity one time until it comes off. And three times is better. And what type of najasa is that? The middle najasa. Wallahu alam. طيب, is that clear? Najasat, we've taken it twice now. So it should be clear to everyone. Then he says, وَإِذَا تَخَلَّلَتِ الْخَمْرَةُ بِنَفْسِهَا Now he's talking about a different topic which is a subtopic of Najasa. He says, وَإِذَا تَخَلَّلَتِ الْخَمْرَةُ بِنَفْسِهَا طَهُرَتْ وَإِنْ خُلِّلَتْ بِطَرْحِ شَيْءٍ لَمْ تَطْهُرْ He speaks about the last impurity which is a liquid intoxicant. According to the Shafi'iyah they say, any liquid intoxicant is impure. Any liquid intoxicant is impure. From amongst them being alcohol or wine. So he says here, This wine, which is impure, can become pure. How? If the process of uh, becoming vinegar occurs on it. How does that work? Wine is made from water and tarh. You put something in, like fruits, dates, grapes, and you mix it. Then you put that water and grape in somewhere hot under the under the earth or under the sun and you leave it for three four days and it ferments and when it gains bubbles as the scholars they mention 
it becomes alcohol, it becomes wine. That's how wine was made. That process of fermentation, of fermenting, if it carries on and it keeps going, then that wine eventually becomes vinegar. So what do we have here? We have something that was pure, water and, and fruits, that became impure wine, then it became pure vinegar. So here he says, If we have this wine, and by itself, without any human intervention, what do you mean by human intervention? They say a number of things. Number one, putting salt in it. Salt. They say if you put salt, it becomes vinegar. It helps the process. Or number two, onions. Someone put onions in it, it helps the process of vinegar. It becoming vinegar. Or even moving it into the sun. So you get the, you buy wine, and you move it in the sun, and you wait. They say, if there is no human intervention, yeah, none of that happens. It's just naturally, it's already there. And it, is, it changes into vinegar, tahurat, it becomes pure. Why? Because it's vinegar. And vinegar is halal, vinegar is pure. And the Prophet said in the hadith that was narrated from Jabir Abdullah radiallahu anhuma, Ni'mal idam khal. That khal, vinegar, is a good idam, a good side dish or good sauce. It's a good sauce. So therefore, that we know from this that vinegar is pure. But he says, وَإِنْ خُلِّلَتْ بِطَرْحِ شَيْءٍ But if it is changed by putting something into it, onion, salt, or even they say moving it into the sun, then it, become, it doesn't become pure. Why? Because human intervention, the Muslim touching the wine, wasn't allowed. You, a Muslim is not allowed to use haram. Muslim is not allowed to use haram. Therefore, whatever results in that usage of haram becomes haram. Yani a Muslim is not allowed to touch wine or use it for anything, whether it be for medicine or whether it be to make it into vinegar. You're not allowed to touch it. So therefore, that person who touches it, when he touches it and it becomes into vinegar, he's done something haram. So what, what it leads to becomes haram also. We have the hadith of Talha. Um, we have the hadith of Talha ibn Ubaidillah, Abu, Abu Talha. The reason why they say, and Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, he became Muslim. He had some wine that belonged to some orphans. He said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, should I change it into vinegar? Because I've just become Muslim and I have wine now. He said, No, rather spill it. Uh, and so that shows that a person is not allowed to change it himself. Um, they also the hadith, the hadith فقال, uh, so here the, this one's mentioned, want to find. Look what the, the, the sharih, you can't see it, but he says, وَإِنْ خُلِّلَتْ لَا بِطَرْحِ شَيْءٍ فِيهَا So he says, uh, some of the scholars, they mentioned that if you put it into the sun, if you change, if you move it into the sun, then it doesn't become pure. Here he says, وَإِنْ خُلِّلَتْ لَا بِطَرْحِ شَيْءٍ فِيهَا بِأَنْ نُقِلَتْ مِنْ شَمْسٍ إِلَى ظِلٍ أَوْ عَكْسُهُ According to the opinion that he takes, he says, is that if a person, he takes the wine and he moves it into the sun, then according to this, the Ar-Rajih, according to the Rajih, according to the Shafi'i opinion, is that it does become pure. Another thing which also they allow is if it is done by a Kitabi, a Jew or a Christian. If a Jew or a Christian is the one who changes the wine into vinegar, then they allow it. From this, some of the scholars, they allow the vinegar of Ahlul Kitab. So they say the, the, the country where it's a Christian country, they say that the vinegar that they make is fine. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. Naam, question there? Uh, I don't know, I've never made that to be honest. <laughs> I've never made it. Like in, they say that it becomes vinegar. Allahu alam how. The odor of alcohol. Now, the odor of alcohol, even though it's not to do with our lesson, as it is, and the odor of alcohol, the alcohol that's in there is not an intoxicant. Therefore, that's not the thing that is considered to be impure. Therefore, it's okay. Wallahu a'ala. Yeah, they say according to if it's made by atheists or anything, then it's not allowed. Wallahu a'ala. Like, and again, it's not for me to tell you in the UK now vinegar, all of it's haram. That's not for me. Now you ask questions. I'm teaching you theory. As for asking the tatbiq application, then that's not for me. That's for the people of knowledge, inshallah. Mm. Yeah, and you're moving it in this situation, yeah, what we're talking about here? No, 
you're not using it, if you're not using it, if you're just moving it, then it's, it's not, yeah, it's fine. But if a person's just touching it for, for what reason, it depends what the reason is. And if a person's just moving it, then it's fine. If a person's trying to make vinegar, then no, it's not fine. If a person's trying to hold it, move it, help people, no, it's not allowed ever. So it depends. To ask the people knowledge. No, I'll advise to ask, inshallah. And, um, my teachers, they say that you should only drink organic, organic vinegar. That's what they say. Wallahu mm. um, That is the way of something becoming pure. It's called istihala. Al-istihala. Another thing which the author doesn't mention here of something that becomes pure that's impure is the skin of the dead animal. The skin of the dead animal. Write this down. It's called ad-dibal, which is tanning. As we know, the dead animal, what's the ruling on it? It's impure, it's haram, meta. قُلْ لَا أَجِدُ فِيمَا أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ مُحَرَّمًا عَلَىٰ طَاعِمٍ يَطْعَمُهُ إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ meta. I don't find anything that's haram unless it is meta. أو دَمًا مَسْفُوحًا أو لَحْمًا خِنْزِيرًا These are things that are haram. And meta, a dead animal like that, is one of the worst types of haram. It's one of the worst types of haram. But the Prophet وسلم, he was walking past with companions and they saw a dead animal. And he said, Why don't you benefit from the skin of this animal? So the, Prophet, the companions, they said, Ya Rasulullah, innaha mayta. It is a dead animal, it's mayta. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, That when you, you can clean it by using water and qarad. Qarad is a type of uh, seed. It's a type of seed that has chemical effects. That when you mix it with water, it has an acidic effect that cleans the skin of the animal. And this is called ad-dibagh. Ad-dibagh is tanning the skin of the dead animal or the skin of any animal. And the process is for a person to take the animal, to take the skin and according to, and to take the skin and to wash it with water and something that has acidic, that's acidic. And the scholars, they mentioned the certain different types of anything that is acidic, they say, that would clean it. Then you take that and you can clean it and then you can use the skin of that dead animal. For what? Leather. Right? Shoes, wallets, clothing, jackets, fur, and on your, on your, according to the opinion that you can use fur, which Ibn Taymiyyah says, you can use fur, right? You can use it on your jackets and stuff like that. All of that is allowed. So this is the process of something that becomes impure, that becomes pure as well. So the things that become impure, that become pure, are two things that we mentioned. Bilistihala or dibagh. By changing from the state of alcohol to state something that's pure, and the second situation is a dibagh, which is tanning. Is that clear, yeah? Question there? Okay, the question. Mm. No, not only that seed. Any, they say anything that has an acidic effect. Anything that has an acidic effect. No. Mm. Anything else? Should we take the last... Are you guys tired? The menstrual cycle for the women. No one said yes, so therefore everyone's tired. Wallahu a'lam, we'll take questions from the sisters. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala. Next lesson, inshallah, we're going to finish Kitab al-Tahara. Next lesson, we're going to finish Kitab al-Tahara, which is the lesson about the period and the menstrual cycle and stuff like that. And then we'll go into Kitab al-Salah. We'll start it. Bi-idhinillahi ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum. We'll end it there. We'll take questions from the sisters. If they send it from paper, Wallahu a'lam, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.